0: Welcome to The Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and we are back again this week studying in Doctrine and Covenants sections 3 through 5.
1: This is an exciting study. We uh, move forward in the story of the unfolding restoration. We meet Martin Harris Um, begin the translation of the Book of Mormon, there are some great uh, steps forward in the work that God is unfolding, but there's also some frustrating setbacks. And we want to wrestle in this study this week with what exactly that work feels like, what qualifies us for working uh, with the Lord and what frustrates us. And so we're really excited to study with you.
0: And we have just... Been excited to study with you not only through the podcast but also through hopefully getting a little more interaction with you through social media. And right now we're doing that through Instagram and we are posting the questions that we ask in each episode. In the past, when we have had our study question in the past years we have answered those as we've gone through and studied. And this year we're really hoping to leave those a little more open for you in your own study, just as another thought for you to have as you study in the block that you're studying that week for come follow me. Um, and so anyway, as we share the questions on Instagram, we're inviting you to share your answers to those questions that you found. And we've just loved so far to be able to get to hear and feel some of what you are studying this year. Um, That's kind of always been what we wanted to do with this podcast is make this a project that's just not us doing a podcast, but really a project that we could do together of diving into scriptures in a new and fresh and faithful way.
1: We always talk about how it would be our our preferred method of study would be if we could all be together, talk about this together, where we could open up these questions and then wrestle with them, uh, in a, in a group and and really move forward with them. So without being able to do that on the podcast, this is kind of our alternative method of doing that.
0: And we couldn't anyway with COVID. That's right. That's right. Anyway, um, I, we wanted to share just a couple quick ones from the very first episode. The question was, what do I want to hear from the Lord as I study and experience the doctrine and covenants this year? And here are a couple of the comments. I want to hear about our covenants and temple worship. I started to realize that's what the covenants part of Doctrine and Covenants is really all about. And then the next one, for me, it's as simple as just hear him as I try this year to become more acquainted with his voice. I should have commented before, but I loved, I I just love some of this is how often do we not really think of covenants as a covenant? this is all about people making and promises with the Lord and teaching us how to do that. I love that. And then I don't think that there's a better book of scripture to learn to hear him in as we get to hear his, his voice through one of his prophets. And that's what we're studying. So anyway, there's, there's lots more on there, but again, we're going to keep posting those questions and we hope to hear from you. So thanks for those that have already been sharing. And we look forward to that little piece and maybe we'll morph it a little as, as the year goes on, but it's been really fun. And We're looking forward
1: to it. Yeah. So this week's study uh, starts in Section 3 of the Doctrine and Covenants. And if you were, in fact, I I went back to uh, the Joe Smith Papers Project has scanned copies of uh, a lot of the early books. Like you can find an original Book of Commandments, uh, which was what the Doctrine and Covenants was originally called when it was published. And if you were to have read the original Book of Commandments that was published in 1833, it wasn't printed or distributed until 1835, but if you were to read it, the first thing you would have seen is Section 1, the preface uh, of the Book of Commandments. But the first revelation chronologically that you would have read isn't actually our current Section 2. That was added much later in the 1870s. What you would have read first... Is section three. This is background. I mean, the background you can get from reading the section introduction, but Joseph has begun the work of translating the Book of Mormon. Remember, last week we learned from Moroni that Moroni told him he had a work to do, showed him where the plates were. Joseph has to go back four successive years before he's able to uh, unearth the plates and take them with him, and then he begins the work of translation. Uh, As they work through that translation, they begin at the very beginning of the plates with the Book of Lehi. And as they finish that translation, they have 116 manuscript pages of that translation. Martin Harris, who's been helping the prophet, uh, wants to take those pages and show them to his wife and to his family members to certify that this is actually happening and that Martin isn't crazy for believing in Joseph and following along. Uh, His wife, Lucy, was actually a big believer early on in what Joseph was doing, but she was quickly frustrated when she herself couldn't see the plates. She wasn't allowed to see the plates. And so she turned pretty antagonistic and was bothered by Martin's persistent involvement. And so, of course, Martin begs to take the, the manuscript pages home. The story is well known where Joseph petitions the Lord repeatedly to, take the, uh, to to let Martin take the manuscript pages. Finally, the Lord relents. He gives very strict rules for what should happen. Martin doesn't follow those rules. Uh, had people always ask, well why did the Lord give in if he knew the plates or knew that the manuscript pages were going to be lost? I don't think they would have been had Martin been strictly obedient to what he had been asked to do but he wasn't he showed them to more people. he wasn't careful with them and so they were lost. And section three is the revelation that comes to the prophet Joseph about this major setback. In the work that he's been assigned. So if you had the early book of commandments, the first thing you would have read, aside from the preface, would be this. The works and the designs and the purposes of God cannot be frustrated. Neither can they come to naught. In the next section, section four, you would have read, now behold, a marvelous work is about to come forth among the children of men. I love it. Even in this uh, setback time, there's a reiteration that God's work can't be frustrated. It's going to roll forward. In fact, that phrase, a marvelous work is about to come forth, is reiterated in section 6, section 11, section 12, section 14. If you do just a quick word search in the Doctrine and Covenants, the word work shows up hundreds of times. Uh, This is one of the central messages of the Doctrine and Covenants, that God has a work for us to do. Last week, we asked ourselves the question of uh, what that work is, and this week, we're going to dive into a whole different question.
0: Well, when we've talked so much about what our piece is in the greater scheme of God's work, and that's really what these last few studies have been about, is how we can be a part of this, and we continue to do that today with this study, and it's how do we do it, and I've... The thing that stuck out to me and always has was is in section four, verse three. Therefore, if ye have desires to serve God, ye are called to the work. So if we are willing, if we want to be a part of God's work, if it's like you said, Zach, it's going to move forward with or without without us. So it's really up to us to ride along, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah. In fact, uh, the word that we chose to title this episode, the word embark comes from Uh, Well, the 1828 definition of it literally means to get on the boat. The image is God's work is going to sail forward with or without you. Uh, The invitation is that you embark in the work. You get on the boat. You're not driving it, but you're on the boat moving with it.
0: And you have the desire to get on the boat.
1: Uh, I had a colleague a couple years ago that um, made a comment that I really really liked, and it kind of transformed my thinking a bit. Uh, She said, God could, if he wanted, do his work alone. Um, Isn't it wonderful that he allows us to participate in the work for our own growth and benefit? Which I think is a great perspective to have as we understand what it is that God's doing and what our role is in it. So last episode, we asked the question of what is our work? What do you feel like the work is that God has called you to do? Which is a fascinating and I think a foundational question to us really being able to experience the Doctrine and Covenants this year. The question this week is a really natural follow-up to that. Um, I guess I should say questions this week. We have two of them. The first one comes from section three. We read verse one already, the works and designs and purposes of God cannot be frustrated. And then the Lord reiterates that in verse three and says, remember, remember, it is not the work of God that is frustrated, but the work of men. The first question I think we have to ask ourselves as we embark in the work or the service of God is, what is frustrating me in doing the work that God has given me? By the way, as a side note, I looked up the word frustrate as well, and it means to break or interrupt, to defeat, or to render of no effect. So what is it that is frustrating us in our um, work with God? Question two comes from section four. In verse five, there's the phrase or the word "qualify." And there's a whole list of things that qualify us for the work. So if question one is what frustrates us, question two is uh, what could I do to better qualify for that work?
0: Well, when we first started the study, we were kind of only working with that second question is what qualifies me for the work. And then it was interesting because after we were studying again, Zach added that first question, What is frustrating me in doing the work God has given me? And I really like that first question because one of my focuses this year as we study the Doctrine and Covenants, which kind of just came up as I started um, studying and just reading some briefly through some of the stuff before we started, was how am I going to handle the uncomfortable pieces where the Lord is kind of being really harsh and kind of mean in some ways, you know, you think, Oh, here is the Lord's voice and it's not very loving. It's not very kind. And what I wanted to do in the podcast and for myself is not skip over those parts just because they feel, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Awkward. I'm not sure what I felt from it, but something like that. And it's interesting because if you think about the book of Mormon and even the New Testament. The New Testament doesn't have a lot of anger. We see little, little bits of the story. And even I was thinking in the Book of Mormon, we don't hear a lot either. Usually it's the narrator saying, I was chastised by the Lord, or he gave me this instruction and we don't really get the full dialogue. And here we do in the Doctrine and Covenants. And it was a little bit harsh, I guess, as I read. And I thought we need to talk about this because I'm kind of confused by it or what are my feelings toward it? Um, just as an example, obviously in chapter five, you have Martin Harris getting, I keep using the word chastise. There's got to be a Zach, you're good it's with gonna, words. Say another one. <laughs> but just verse 24, he said, behold, I say unto him, he exalts himself and does not humble himself sufficiently before me. But if he will bow down before me and humble himself in mighty prayer and faith, I guess maybe that's not that. I guess it's just him saying he's exalting himself, he's not doing anything, he's not following the commandments. I mean, there's verses upon verses in here that you've maybe already read about what Martin Harris is doing.
1: Well, the kicker, I think, is in chapter, in section three when the, uh, the Lord says to Joseph that when he delivered up the transcript to Martin Harris, he says... Uh, <laughs> Thou deliverest up that which was sacred into the hands of a wicked man who has set it not the counsels of God and has broken the most sacred promises which were made before God and has depended upon his own judgment and boasted in his own wisdom. And uh, Oh,
0: that- you found a way better <laughs> one than I did. I read mine and was like, oh, that's actually not that harsh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just the thought of what that feels like. But what I'm learning right now for myself is that... I kind of feel like I'm being chastised right now when the Lord is pointing out my weaknesses to me. And that feels kind of harsh and kind of uncomfortable and kind of scary. But it's a part of the process. It's a part of the work that we get to do because he's so concerned about our individualness, the pieces inside of us that he wants us to do better. And I think I talked about that last episode, but I just think that these pieces of him kind of getting after people can be really important for us to learn from because I know for myself personally, that's, that's what I'm experiencing. And it all comes down to exactly what Martin Harris says, same thing. Are you going to humble yourself? And maybe that's why this stuck out to me because I feel like I'm in that mode of, I always call it being compelled to be humble when, when God points out things to me that I don't want to notice myself. Um, here we are getting to hear him do it for other people too. And I think that just makes everyone feel like a little more together. We're all in this work together and none of us is perfect.
1: Yeah. Well, another comment um, on Instagram this week shared that similar thought. She just said, when the doc with the doctrine of covenants, I think it's almost more important to listen to what you don't want to hear. Open your hearts and minds. This is Jesus talking to you. And, uh, we've mentioned this multiple times this week in different contexts and discussions, but you don't change unless you realize there's a problem. And so if the Lord is most interested in our growth and development, it stands to reason that part of his work with us is going to be pointing out our deficiencies and the things that we lack, the things that we struggle. And this isn't out of character for him. If you go back to the Old Testament, there are examples of plenty of the Lord chastising his people. In the Old Testament, he did it with curses or floods or plagues, but they all had the same effect, which was to recall his people back to him, to point out to them what they were doing wrong so they could change and grow and develop. In the New Testament, as you mentioned, even though we do often focus on the examples of Jesus as being kind and loving, which of course he was, so was the, the Jehovah of the Old Testament, Uh, There are plenty of examples of him being somewhat uh, sharp, I guess would be the Doctrine and Covenants word. Um, He goes into the temple and braids a whip and overturns tables and cracks the whip in the air to scatter the animals and yells at the people. Um, when when, When Peter comes to him and tries to convince him not to go to Jerusalem because he's aware that this might be the end of his life, Jesus says to Peter, his chief apostle, Get thee behind me, Satan. In the Book of Mormon, the Lord chastises them with wars and with famines. And in the Doctrine and Covenants, he does the same thing. One of the phrases I've always loved that I think is really indicative of the Lord's personality is um, the phrase nurture and admonition. Of the Lord. In other words, He is, of course, wonderfully nurturing, loving, and kind. But at the same time, and in a balancing way, He is admonishing. He wants to see us grow and develop, both by encouraging that which is good, but also by helping us to address that which is bad.
0: So, in answer to what is frustrating me in doing the work of God, I think usually what frustrates us is ourselves. And clearly, that was Martin Harris. But, um, What's frustrating me, I already, I think for me, probably my own stubbornness and my lack of humility, and I'm reminded of that, God tells me that, and then that allows me to then answer that second question and better qualify for that work as I work on those things that, oh, it's hard, but it's really a gift when he allows us to work on those weaknesses with him, especially.
1: So ask yourself that question as painful as it can be. Ask yourself the question. If last week you took the time to wrestle with what is the work that God has given you to do this week, wrestle with what it is that might be holding you back from fully accomplishing that work. What is frustrating you from accomplishing the work that God has given you and know that if you find things that hurt, That's just evidence of a loving God chastising you to help you grow. The second question, what can I do to better qualify for the work, I think leads into a great study in section four. Um, One of the things, section four is one of my favorite sections to study. I am, I'm sure, millions of other people. Um, But I love to point out that there are four mistakes we make with section four that really inhibit our ability to understand the power of this revelation now this one comes to us this is uh, joseph smith senior who visits joseph and emma and as he's there with them he requests A revelation essentially from Joseph asking, what's my part in this work? What is it that I'm supposed to do? Joseph Smith was an extremely religious and spiritual man. He had not attached himself to any formal religions, but he deeply believed that God was doing a great work and he wants to be a part of it. And so as he asks the prophet, um, Joseph receives this revelation. So four things about section four that we might get wrong. Um, First of all, I love to ask people, find a verse in section four that says missionaries that you just love. Because they can't, because the word missionary doesn't appear anywhere in section four, because the word missionary doesn't appear anywhere in the Doctrine and Covenants, because the word missionary doesn't appear anywhere in the Standard Works. The word missionary is not a scriptural term. The words that are used are servant, servant, or laborer. Now, those are used all throughout the Doctrine and Covenants, but I always cringe when people say that Section 4 is the great missionary chapter, because it's, it can be a great chapter for missionaries to read and study, but it's not meant just for missionaries or those that are serving a full-time mission. As it says in, uh, in the beginning, this is a marvelous work for anyone to participate in. Um, mistake number two that we make is if we're not careful, we can mix up a calling with a qualification. Notice in verse three, Christy, you read at the beginning of the episode, but if you have desires to serve God, you are called to the work. This section is written to anybody who wants to serve God, whether they are qualified or not. If you have a desire to serve, you're called to the work. Number three, in verse four, when it says the field is white, I learned this from, and if any of you out there have farming background, you might know this way better than I do, but um, (laughs) I learned this from someone that grew up on a farm, a wheat farm in Kansas, and he said, you know, what's interesting is when a field is ready to be harvested, it doesn't turn white, it turns yellow. When the heads of the wheat start to get past their harvest time, that's when they turn white. So he said, a white field to me represents not just that things are ready, that they're over ready. That the field is just burgeoning with uh, places to work and places to serve. And I think the implication of that to us is we can sometimes be a bit myopic in where we can serve. When in reality, the field is over ready for service. Whether that's in our church assigned calling or whether there is a larger and broader work that we can be involved in somewhere else in the world, there's power in that.
0: Which I think is part of why knowing that this revelation was given to Joseph Smith Sr. is pretty cool. Because it's just bringing someone else to the work. Just like he's bringing us to the work today. It's just bringing people in and anyone who can be a part of it. You don't have to have a name tag. You don't have to have a specific calling. This is us using our God-given talents to be a part of, of... the gathering of Israel, be a part of this work that's bringing people closer to Christ.
1: Well, I love the wrestle that you can go through as you ask yourself, what work is it that God's asking you to do? And this week, wrestle with what qualifies us. As you start to maybe expand your view of where you can work for God, sometimes we're very focused on our church callings. But there is a broader work that God has for each of us in the world that certainly encompasses our church callings and assignments, but definitely supersedes it uh, into other areas and places that we can serve.
0: I was actually listening to President Uppdorf's most recent general conference address, God will do something unimaginable. And he talked about how certainly God knew that this pandemic, this wasn't a surprise to him that the pandemic happened, but here it is and he's going to use what's happening in the world as a way to further his work still. And he talked about how missionary work and all of these things that has been forced upon us more online things, ways different ways we're having to get really creative about how we reach out to people and how we do things. And I think with that falls in place in our own lives with our own church callings, quote unquote that we're so used to just having a calling and doing our work there. But I feel like the pandemic and our church callings frustrated in a way and changing that it gives us an opportunity to be a little more creative with other opportunities mm-hmm. to serve and seek people.
1: The field is white already. The whole field is white, not yeah, just this... the one that you've been used to laboring. In. Right.
0: And this has really kind of jarred the way that we yeah. view what our calling necessarily is.
1: So, uh, Mistake number one, it's not just about missionaries. Mistake number two, it's your desire that calls you to the work. Mistake number three, the whole field is white and ready. And mistake number four is a personal one for me because uh, if I were to answer this question, my question would be somewhat related to this. Um, We often quickly look at the list starting in verse four uh, or verse five that qualifies us for the work. Faith, hope, charity, which is a great place to start. If you're answering this question for yourself, start in verse 5 and ask yourself, those qualities, is there one that you could use more of in your life that you could seek to develop more? But I think the list of qualifications actually starts in verse 4. After the Lord clarifies that the field is white and ready to harvest, he says this, Lo, he that thrusteth in his sickle with his might The same layeth up in store that he perisheth not, but bringeth salvation to his soul. Now, the mistake we make is when we picture someone thrusting in their sickle, unless you're familiar with uh, uh, 19th century farm tools, you would think like I did that a sickle is that big long sticked blade thing that the grim reaper holds and that you sweep through giant fields of wheat Felling, you know, hundreds of thousands of stalks and harvesting in bushels.
0: That's how I do it. Right when I go out in my fields. Well, <laughs> and, and I
1: remember as a missionary, uh, someone in the MTC when I was there explaining, you know, they were telling success stories of, oh, this sister missionary that went to South America and there were thousands of baptisms, and and I remember getting to Germany and thinking, this is not the same kind of mission that they were describing in the MTC. There are not thousands of baptisms uh waiting to happen or thousands of people waiting to be baptized um a sickle is not that's not a sickle that that tool that has the big long handle and the blade is a scythe if you look up what a sickle is it's a hand tool it's got a small one-handed handle and then it's got a curved blade And the way that you use a sickle is usually you grab a stalk of whatever the the plant is that you're harvesting uh, and you get down close to the roots and you use the sickle to chop through a single stalk or two at the base. It's gritty, down in the dirt, one by one work. It is not sweeping through and getting thousands of things done. It's getting one uh, thing done at a time. It's line upon line and precept upon precept. And for me, uh, that has been a really powerful principle uh, and a painful one to realize. Um, We moved out here to Pennsylvania and I accepted a new work assignment. And um, it was very tempting to step into the assignment and think, boy, I'm going to do this and do this and do this. And there's just going to be loads of success. And people are going to be coming out of the woodwork to visit this class and do that and listen here. And all of that in the middle of a pandemic doesn't happen anyway. But I was reminded frequently, continue to be reminded, that the work of God moves forward individual by individual, line upon line and precept upon precept. It's not this great sweeping, I do this one action and it makes thousands of uh, people's lives better at once. It's uh, it's slower than that, but it's more meaningful than that. And so as you seek to answer this question for yourself, keep in mind those truths about Uh, this work that we're involved in from section four, and then ask yourself the question, what is it that qualifies me? What do I need to do more of to be better qualified for this work that God's given me?
0: Well, to end, because Zach read the better verse about Martin Harris, (laughs) I'll reread mine in kind of maybe a conclusion of what we can do in answer to this question that we learned from Martin Harris. Section five is all about the answer to Martin's Harris's question of, can I be a witness? He wanted to see the plates, and eventually he does get that. But God gives him the qualifications that he needs to have, and that's in verse 23. And now again I speak unto you, my servant Joseph, concerning the man that desires the witness. Behold, I say unto him, He exalts himself, and does not humble himself sufficiently before me. But if he will bow down before me, and humble himself in mighty prayer and faith, in the sincerity of his heart, then will I grant unto him a view of the things which he desires to see. And then he shall say unto the people of this generation, Behold, I have seen the things which the Lord has shown unto Joseph Smith, Jr., And I know of a surety that they are true, for I have seen them, for they have been shown unto me by the power of God and not of man.
1: Well, I love that in those verses is the pattern for what we've studied this week. First, the Lord gives Martin the things that are frustrating him from really accomplishing the work. He's exalting himself uh, and he's not uh, sufficiently humble. Then he gives Martin his qualifications. He needs to bow down before me and humble himself in mighty prayer and faith and in sincerity of his heart. And then he gives Martin uh, his work, or what will happen if he accomplishes his work. He'll have a view of the things which he desires to see, and then he'll proclaim to others, which he does by putting his name at the beginning of the Book of Mormon as one of the three witnesses that he has seen the things that Joseph Smith uh, has, or that have been shown to Joseph Smith, and he bears his record and his testimony that he will carry with him to his death. As you study this week, ask yourself the important, if even somewhat painful questions, what is it that's frustrating me from accomplishing the work God has given me? And what is it I need to do to better qualify myself for that work? And if you ask with that same feeling and and sincerity maybe that Joseph himself asked or that Martin asked, we're confident the Lord will give you answers just like he's given them to us. Thank you so much for studying with us this week. Uh, Look for our questions on Instagram. We would love to hear your insights, your thoughts, and your experiences there. And we will see you and study with you next week.